0: back to our series entitled Jesus is we've been learning about who Jesus is the attributes of Jesus how many of you enjoy this series so far we're we're four or five weeks in right now and I just I've really enjoyed studying it and and actually preaching it and and getting to just dive into it because it's it's actually showed me I've had some uh, maybe some uh, skewed thinking of who Jesus really is I mean, I don't want to sit here and pretend that I'm perfect and I know every absolute perfect thing about Jesus. I would be a hypocrite and a liar. Okay? I'm a natural human being just like you are. Amen? Amen. Well, this morning we're going to talk about Jesus is coming again. Think about that for a moment. Jesus is coming again. It's not something that we've preached a whole lot this past year. It's not something we talk about a whole lot, is it? But I bet it's something we think about a good bit, right? People love to talk about the end times and try to figure it out. We've had movies come out and you've been part of, of certain generations. There were older generations that they were just scared to death of the coming of Christ again. The second coming because of, of what the way it was preached like it was going to be this big scary thing. And and people were scared. and They were like, no, Jesus, don't come back. I don't know if you grew up in that, but then in my generation, they really didn't say a whole lot about it. We didn't talk a lot about Jesus coming back in in children's church and all those kinds of things. And and so for me, I've kind of always just been in the middle, sometimes being confused. You with me? And I've tried to study it and I felt like the Lord said, well, you, you can study it. But I got more important things for you to study right now. But this message today, I hope just really clears things up for us. About the second coming of Christ. Because it is a fact that Jesus is coming back. In fact today we're closer than we've ever been. Well duh. <laughs> Our key verse for this series. First Corinthians chapter 2 verses 1 to 2. From the message translation says that you'll remember friends. That when I first came to you. I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches. And the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First Jesus and who he is. Then Jesus and what he did, Jesus crucified. And so that's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about who Jesus really is. And some of you have had twisted views of who Jesus is. Maybe you've tried to compare Jesus to your daddy or your daddy to Jesus. And because your daddy was a rotten, no good son of a gun, you think maybe Jesus is a rotten, no good son of a gun. I don't know. So we've talked about how Jesus is our teacher. Jesus is our friend. Jesus is the miracle worker, right? Jesus week we could talk about Jesus being the shepherd, the great shepherd, and how he wants to take care of us. And today, today we're talking about the second coming of Christ. Just a little bit of information for you of the 27 books in the new Testament, 23 talk about his return. I don't know if you realize that. 300 verses in the New Testament talk about the second coming of Christ. It's a very popular topic in the Bible. If you've ever had people talk about the end times, people want to talk about what? I wonder what the sign of the beast is going to be, right? Is it going to be a tattoo 666 on your forehead or, you know, is it going to be like this, like this thing that you scan at the grocery store, the barcode is it going to be a barcode. You know, what's, what's it going to be? You know, people love to get off in all that thing. I've seen people slip away from Christ, chasing down these different theories about how he's coming back. I'm like, don't fall in love with how he's coming back. Fall in love with Christ. Amen. The, the The facts are he's coming back, period. If you don't know how, when, or where, or why, so what? Just keep following him and you'll find out. Right? But people love to talk about it. They love to talk about all kinds of things. There's movies that have come out, books on top of books about it. And honestly, I don't, I don't get into that too much. I kind of just read the Bible and get my own interpretation and I if I hear some sound teaching on it I listen to it you with me so today I want to bring you something and I hope this is an encouraging angle on Jesus' coming okay some people have, have taught that you know when we go to heaven we're going to be in this perpetual choir have you have you heard has anybody heard that that all we're going to do is sing to Jesus we're going to be a part of this choir and that's that's all there is and so for some of us we're like okay I I didn't join the choir when I was on the earth. You know, I don't know if I want to be a part of the choir when we get to heaven. Maybe he can just wait a little longer. Come in the next generation Lord. Right. Some of us have had that kind of an attitude. (laughs) I remember talking to some of our young pastors who who had saved themselves from marriage and you know, they waited to their merit to their wedding day to actually be with a girl. And, and, you know, for some of them, the, the joke was, is that, I pray the Lord doesn't come back on my wedding day. <laughs> you know, as soon as you say, I do, you hear the trumpet blow. You go, no, Lord, no, I don't know. I hope my kids have that experience, too. But, <laughs> but I want to set the story up for you. Over 2000 years ago, Jesus came to this earth in a human body, right? He lived his life and he spent the last three years of his life sharing the message of God. The salvation message. He went to the cross, satisfied God's wrath against us by absorbing our sin and shame. He was buried. You remember three days later, he rose again, which reconciled us back to God. He came for 40 days, popped through walls, ate with the disciples and gave us a final commandment. And this is where we catch it up in the ascension. When Jesus ascends back into heaven in Acts chapter one, starting in verse nine, it says this. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Now, the disciples were with him. They're standing there. Jesus was talking to him, and all of a sudden, he starts ascending into heaven. In other words, he's floating up. Okay? And they're, they're watching him, and I imagine they're probably freaking out. I mean, but of course, he just walked through walls, and he just ate, and he showed them his scars and all these things. But I think I've still been freaking out. It says they were... what. They were looking intently up into the skies as as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Angels, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. He's going to come back the same Jesus. What you've seen go into heaven is going to come back the same way. You get in this picture? He's going to come back. He's going to come back in his body. He's going to come back in a cloud. Many of you have heard that, right? It doesn't matter how he's coming back. He's still coming back. Amen. CNN did a poll and they said that uh, one third of Americans are watching the events in the Middle East thinking about how it might relate to the end of the world, Right? We've all seen the wars and all the things happening, the earthquakes, all this stuff going on. And it starts to make you think a little bit more. In the study, they also realized that 62% of people in America believe in a literal return of Jesus. Watch this. But only 40% of those 62 follow Jesus. Isn't that strange? 22% of those people believe that Jesus is coming back, but they don't follow him. Thinking, man, you're kind of backwards. You believe that there's a, a, a Jesus that is coming back. Somebody's going to return, but you don't believe in what he did when he was here and what he can do for you now. Strange. So this morning, I want to give you three things that are going to happen upon his return. You ready? Number one, he will come unexpectedly. Unexpectedly. In other words, nobody knows when he's going to return. It could happen in the next second. It could happen in the next year or the next 100 years. We don't know. But he's going to come unexpectedly. Everybody wants to know when and how, right? Even the disciples wanted to know when and how. Watch this in Matthew 24. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? It's an honest question, right? There's nothing wrong with asking the question. I mean, I really would love to know, you know, what are the signs? What are the, what's it going to look like? When's it going to happen? But the crazy thing is, is I know me and I'm going to play until the day before it comes. (laughs) Right? Am I the only one in the house like that? I mean, I'm going to lollygag around. I'm going to do my own thing. And I'm going to look on my calendar and say, oh, he's coming tomorrow. I better tighten up. And God. He didn't tell us when they're asking Jesus and get this. Jesus doesn't even know. Jesus is waiting for God to give the word to go get my people. I mean, the horse is saddled. Everything's ready. He's waiting. He's waiting on the, on the word from God. Go get them. He's coming back. Y'all. The Bible talks a lot about his return being like birth pains, that there's going to be clear signs. And in Matthew 24, you can read there, it talks about some of the signs of his return and how things are going to happen. And, and, you know, we can say, well, every generation has said, this is the generation that Jesus is going to return, right? Miss Mary, you've heard that before. Oh, yeah. This is the generation. No, this is the, people have tried to predict it. You know, he's coming back on this day. Remember when, uh, was it Y2K? I could have made a lot of money in Y2K for people that thought something was going to happen. Just selling them bomb shelters and I don't know, because could have been rich. The Bible talks about how there's going to be an increase in earthquakes and diseases. Starting to see a little bit more of that these days, right? But, you know, there's something about this generation now that is different than the generations before that said, well, you know, he, he, he could have come in our generation. What makes you think that this generation is, is, is ready for Jesus to come back or, or this is the time? It's because there's more signs fulfilled today than there ever has been before. You say, well, pastor, we had earthquakes 20 years ago. Well, yeah, we did. We had disease. Yeah, we did. There was a lot of things that happened. There was was wars. Yeah, there's always been rumors of wars, right? As long as we've, we've known, there's been rumors of wars. There sure is a bunch of them now. But there's one thing that happened in this generation that hasn't happened ever before. They did a study and they've shown the number of salvations. If you go like to when Jesus ascended into heaven until now, it was a slow trickle. In their number of salvations. Very, very slow incline on the chart. And about 10 years ago, it took almost a direct turn straight up. Do you know that 35,000 people will be saved today in China? That's the average. 35,000 today. That's bigger than Eunice and Bazel put together. <laughs> There's more technology today. There's more people with Bibles in their hands. We've put more Bibles in countries than it's ever been before in the time of history. There's more doors open today to the gospel than there ever has been before. Right? Because the Bible says that in the the gospels, it says that, that all nations will hear the gospel before his return. Okay, all the nations of the land, all the nations of the earth will hear the gospel before he returns. You say, well, all nations, does that mean each country? No, all nations actually talks about people groups, which is called ethos. It's groups of people. There could be 20 different people groups in one country in Africa. Okay, you follow me? So that word literally means people groups. And today we've reached more people groups than we ever have before in history. Matthew 24, 40 to 42 says, it'll be like this. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. I don't want to be the man left, right? I mean, cause I, I know it now, you know, so I'm working and all of a sudden. choop. Oh man, come on. One taken and the other one left. Two women will be grinding with the handmill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, watch this, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your, your Lord will come. Keep watching. Keep it in your mind. Keep ready. Amen. First Thessalonians 5 2 says, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. What a comparison. He's going to come like a thief in the night. Do you know when the thief's coming? Some of you are ready. You got a gun in your dresser drawer or your nightstand, right? I just say to you, good luck getting to it before he gets to you. I just, instead of buying a gun, I just planted a couple of angels outside the house, and it's kind of the way I roll. Right? It'd be nice to have a gun, but I might accidentally shoot somebody, the wrong person. I mean, I've done that. I've gotten in a fight before and hit the wrong person, hit one of my own teammates in a fight. So I don't want to do that with a gun. Anyway, he's going to come like a thief in the night. You need to be ready. You need to be prepared. Why do you lock your doors at night? Why do you lock your doors at night? In case there's a thief coming, right? You don't want somebody to break in while you're sleeping. You don't want to be caught Not ready. God's word says we need to do the same thing. We need to be ready for his return. Number two, he will come to get his church. I'll say that one again. He will come to get his church. He's not going to come because he's mad. Come on. Some of you have been taught that when God has enough, he's coming back. I hear people out in the work field all the time saying, "Oh yeah, yeah." When the Lord had enough, He gonna come back and get us. Really? Well, He should have had enough a long time ago. The truth is, is that He's coming back to get His people because, listen to me, He wants to be with us. He's not mad at us. He's not done with us. He's not, he, he hasn't blown his top. He's not coming because uh, who the president is. He's not coming for any of those other reasons. He's simply coming back to get us to spend uh, eternity with us. Amen. That's right. He's coming to get us because he wants to be with us. Are you getting this? Not because he's mad at us, but because he wants to be with us. You got to get an understanding of that. God's not mad at you. He's for you, not against you. He loves you. He's not, he doesn't hate you. His motivation for coming back is you. You're his motivation for coming back. John 14, three says that when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. I love that word always. Always. It's hard to find something always on this earth, isn't it? My wife and I, we get these professional arguments every once in a while. And and she'll say, or I'll say, you always do this. Or you always say that. Or every time you do this, I go, "Uh uh-uh. Nobody does anything all the time. Right? But God. We will always be with God is that a better place? And I hope you're getting encouraged. It's a better place. First Thessalonians says this. This is how it's going to play out. He says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of, of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with him, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord Forever, your loved ones that have already died will be called up. My mama is going to be called up. My grandmother is going to be called up. My aunts and uncles that I've lost are going to be caught up first, and then me. Amen. Amen. I can't wait. I miss my mom. Can't wait. Jesus is going to establish a new heaven and a new earth is what the Bible says. He, he's, he's establishing this new heaven and this new earth that was, was supposed to be before Adam and Eve fell. Amen, that's, right. that's the earth we were supposed to live in. That's right. It's the pre-fall where Adam, all he had to do was just take care of the garden. Amen. They didn't know rain until when? Until Noah, right? So we're not going to need rain. Praise God. There's going to be no humidity. Can I get a witness? I'm believing there's going to be no mosquitoes. If so, they're going to be nice. We need some nice mosquitoes. There's going to be no president. Let me put it like this. There's going to be no politicians. I figure I'd get a little bit better action out of that. We won't need to elect anyone. Why? Because Jesus is going to be king. And there's going to not be a need for any presidents or any governors or any mayors or city officials. We won't need that. There's not going to be any pain. Some of you suffer with chronic pain and you've been suffering all your life with chronic pain. Let me tell you something. There's a day coming when it's gone. Amen. We won't need money. Wow. We won't need money. The new blacktop is gold. I wonder what it's like to drive on gold. Well, maybe we won't be driving. Yeah, that's good. Everybody will get a Ford. There'll be no more breakdowns. No. There'll be no more taxes, no more hospitals, no more traffic, no more bad hair days. All of you with hair, no more makeup. Oh yes. I'm sorry, my mom who said that. If that doesn't make you want Jesus to return, I don't know what will. Right? I mean, think about that. But that, it's funny, but it's true. Come on. I believe we don't have to sweat anymore. I hate sweating. The more pain. The more disease. The more suffering. Matthew twenty-five thirty-four says, then the king will say to those in his on his right. Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. We're going to receive an inheritance when Jesus comes back. Are you with me? You know where The Bible says you need to be storing up treasures in heaven and not on this earth. That's why it's important to do good things for people to sow good seeds, right? To give blessings and to do things for folks because you're storing up treasure in heaven. right. Right? You're storing it up there. So when you get there, you know, what's funny is when we get there, we're going to see who was storing up treasure and who wasn't right. But number three, he says he will come to judge the earth. And I can't leave that out. I can't be a good preacher and leave that out. He is coming to judge the earth. You know, we don't like to talk about judgment, do we? In fact, most people that you try to correct something in their life, if they're Christian or not, most people do know this one verse. Do not judge lest you be judged yourself. You can talk to the biggest heathen on the planet that don't know Jesus furthest from God, and you tell him something about himself, and he'll quote that verse to you. Isn't that funny? Don't judge me. You can't judge me. You're not perfect. No, but there's one coming who is perfect. And he's the perfect judge. You say, well, man, pastor, why, why, you know, it was sounding good, man. I was full of hope, but man, God's coming back to judge us. I mean, dear goodness, you just, you just pulled the plug on me. I mean, I I really, I'm not excited anymore. You got to understand that God's coming back to judge because he's a just God. Amen. Amen. If you've, if you've given your life to Christ, if you surrendered your life to Jesus and your sins are washed away, your sins will never be mentioned. Never be mentioned. Why? Because the Bible says they've been thrown as far as the East is from the West. He forgot about your sin. Those who don't know Christ will be judged and sent to eternity. To an eternal hell with torment a foreverness of torment. But those who are found in Christ will be judged according to what they did while they were on this planet to receive what God has for them. Amen. You'll be judged according to your deeds, to what you've done, your inheritance, what you stored up, how you acted. Did you preach the gospel? Did you bring others to Jesus? You with me? That's what he's going to judge us according to. Revelations 20 verse 11 to 13 says, and I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it, the earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small standing before God's throne and the books were opened, including the book of life and the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead and the death And the grave gave up their dead and all were judged according to their deeds. Judgment is coming because simply God is just. He is a just God. Second Thessalonians says this. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to those who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes. Let me read that first first part again. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. Why is it important not to go back and give somebody what they gave you? Cause you're going to, you're going to be judged according to that your deeds, right? But he says that I will take care of the ones that give you trouble. I will trouble those that trouble you. Therefore you can turn around and say, you can understand better when Jesus says to turn the other cheek when somebody slaps you. I've always had a hard time with that verse. Can I just be real? I mean, I'm, I'm like, I just forget that verse. I'm just going to ask for forgiveness afterwards. You hit me, I'm going to hit you, then I'm going to ask for forgiveness. And I'll turn around come back and say, I'm sorry. No. But he says, I will trouble those that trouble you. We're going to stand in his presence at the second coming, at the second judgment. At the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to stand in his presence. And the books will be opened. First thing that I think they're going to do is they're going to find your name. They're going to go, okay, Jamie. All right, you're here, buddy. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then they're going to open up the other books. Okay, you did this and you did that. You did this. Oh, you did this. Oh. Oh. I don't know how it's going to be. But I'm looking forward to that day. You with me? But let me tell you what it does to me now. What it does to me right now. Right now, it puts a good dose of the old shoots in me. Realizing that we're closer than we've ever been. More signs are fulfilled than they've ever been before. He's coming back for me to spend time with me, and that's great, and I'm excited about that. I'm not afraid of his coming back. I just want to make sure that I'm ready. Are you with me? There's one thing I love to do is be found by the boss man Working. I've always prided myself in that, that when the boss man turns his back, most of everybody's just kind of, boss man's gone. They'll smoke a cigarette, they'll they'll take a break, lollygag around, grab the shovel. You're not a state worker's work. right? If you're a state worker, I'm sorry. Most of them, not you. But you'll pass by in there leaning on the shovel. right? I don't want to be found like that. I want to be found working. Because I've learned a lesson in life that the boss man's always watching. He's always peeping around the corner. Right? I've worked for some guys. They would, they would act like they were leaving for a while. And you, you would look up and they were driving in the field. <laughs> Who's working? I'm like, them sorry suckers. I want to be found working. Not working for my salvation. Are you hearing me? Working for the Lord, there's a difference. My salvation's done. It's taken care of. It's been paid for. It's a sealed deal. It's in a. It's in the book. It's in the book. It's done. I'm not working for that, right? The thing I work for now is is I work for the treasures I want to store up. Okay. Not only that, I want to work for the Father. Because I know that he's given me a mission on this life and on this planet to to do certain things, to reach certain people. Right. I want to fulfill his will for my life. I want to do what he wants me to do. That's why I'm working. And it's motivated by love for him. Because let me tell you, if I didn't love him, I'd go find me something else to do. Something way more fun than being a pastor. Or a man of God. Or a man of character and integrity. Right? I'm working for that, not for my salvation. Isaiah 55, 6-7 says this. says, to seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that they may have mercy on them. That he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for he will forgive generously. So since Jesus is clearly coming back, I want to give you a couple of things. I want to give you a charge. Can I do that? <coughs> and you know, I'm in a hurry because my throat's going to waste. I want to charge you with this. Number one, reach people. Reach people. You know why God has been patient not to come back? This far mm-hmm. is because he wants no one to perish. That's right. exactly. He wants for everyone to come to him. He's being patient because he wants more to come. I believe his, his attitude towards us is that you need to go reach more people. That's right. We need to have the attitude of let's go reach as many as we can so maybe he will come back. When you got a clear understanding of why he's coming back, when he's coming, well not when, but but understanding why he's coming back, then man, you want to be with him. Right? That's why Paul said, Paul said, to die is gain and to live is Christ. I think I got that right. Yeah. Got it right. Okay. To die is gain and to live is Christ. He says, if I die, I go spend eternity in heaven. But if I live, I get to see more people come to Christ. Come on, my relatives don't get lost up in eternity with eternal torment. My neighbors don't spend eternity in torment. And I'm standing there on the judgment day and I see people I know going to this eternal judgment. And I know, I just know they didn't receive Christ. How does that make you feel? Knowing that your neighbor, you see your neighbor, hey, T, what's up, T? Oh, man. All of a sudden, he's screaming and gnashing his teeth and weeping and crying. Ah man, I don't want to see that. Right? You start praying for your, your neighbors and your coworkers and the people you see, but don't just stop at praying and don't make it too long. Somebody said, I've been praying for my neighbors for 10 years. Good. When are you going to go talk to them? That's it. Jesus is coming. You better stop praying and go talk. That's it. right. It's just simple prayer. Lord, open their heart and they give me an opportunity to, to share Christ with them. And then you go over there and you do whatever God leads you to do. Yeah. That's it. Amen. That's right. I'm believing my neighbor that one day he was trying to, to move this big trailer with his wife's grocery go getter and he couldn't do it. And I had this big truck and I was in the house and the Lord said, go help him. This was a hard guy. He was a hard case to crack. and So I just went over and I said, hey, man, I, said, I got my truck, man. You want me to pull that to the dump for you? He's like, you don't mind? I'm like, no. Nah. Like, I'm trying to truck out. I mean, I need to see if he can pull. So we took off through town, me and him, man, burning the tires, heading to the dump with a load of concrete. We come back, man, let's stop at the store, man. I'll buy you a beer. I don't, I don't need, Gatorade's good. Well, you mind if I get a beer? No, nah, man, get your beer. Do what you got to do. I just went over there and I served him. And you know what? It changed his heart towards me. I prayed for him. I went over there and I served him and I sowed a seed into him. I'm believing for him. You You with me? Reach people. Jude 1, 22 to 23 says, be merciful to those who doubt snatch others from the fire and save them. Snatch them. We need to get that attitude of snatching. You need to have a snatching type of attitude towards the lost. Stop judging them and stop trying to fix them and just start snatching them. How do you snatch them? You introduce them to Jesus. Amen. And you snatch them from the pit of hell and you bring them into heaven on that day. Amen. We need to make it hard for people to go to hell. Right. Number two, stay focused on eternity. Always be thinking, man, he's coming back. He's coming back. Right. Keep your mind focused. He's coming back. I need to be about his business. Yeah, I got to go to work. Yeah, I got to get my kids to school. Yeah, I got to do this. Yeah, I got to do that. But that doesn't mean you can't focus on eternity and focus on the work at hand and focus on what he has for you to do. Right. Because when you focus on eternity, you don't miss those opportunities to sow good seeds into people. Right. We miss them when we don't focus. You could walk, we walk by hurting people all the time, right? People that need a word of encouragement, people that need some kind of hope. But if we're focused on eternity and we're thinking with eternal things in our mind, then man, we're we're not going to miss them. It's like when you go into the grocery store, they'll be illuminated. That person over there, go get them. Oh yeah, I'm going to get them. I'm going to snatch them from the fire. You might need to play some silly games like that. I don't know. I mean, it, it might help. <laughs> Titus 2.13 says, While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, For, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The Bible talks clearly about keeping your mind on things above, not on things right here. Why is this so important? And why have you heard me say so many times that you've got to get past yourself? It's because you've got to quit focusing on me. You've got to quit doing like this. And you've got to get your head up and focus on eternity. Amen? You've got to get beyond yourself. So, what if you're hurting? Keep pressing on. There's a day coming. Hang on to that hope. There's a day coming when I'm not going to hurt no more. There's a day coming when, when those people that wounded me and took advantage of me, all that pain's going to be gone. There's a day coming. Number three, last one, is be ready. Be ready. Be that way, like I talked about a minute ago, where, where you're, you, you, you know that the boss is watching, right? That you're steadily working. Why do you do that? Because you, number one, you care about what you do, right? The people that, that lollygag when the boss turns his back are people that don't care about themselves. They don't care about what they do, right? They don't love the boss, People that love the boss and love the business do what? They work hard when nobody's watching. Right? Be ready. Let Jesus come back and find you witnessing to somebody. Let him come back and find you sowing seeds into somebody. Let him come back and find you on your knees praying for the lost. Amen. Be ready. So let me give you those again. Then we'll close. You getting something out of this? Number one, we need to reach people. That's your job. If you want to know what the will of God is for you, is to reach people. We don't need to make it any more complicated than it already is. Just reach people. It's not an easy thing to do. It's sometimes an expensive thing to do. Sometimes it's just downright hard work to reach people. Sometimes you got to die to reach people. What do you mean, Pastor? You got to die to yourself and your needs and your wants and your things and all this stuff about you and go and make life about other people. Then he says to stay focused on eternity. I know you just got to live with this fact that you're going to get unfocused from time to time. That's okay. Refocus. Refocus. Amen. And number three, be ready. Be ready. Be looking for opportunities. Amen. Second Peter, I'm going to close with this one, says this in verse chapter three. It says, but the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. We're called to live holy and godly lives. How do we do that? We stay focused. We stay connected to the vine. Amen. Simple. I heard Pastor Eugene say it this weekend, Sunday night. It's kind of Pastor Jim's message about staying close to Jesus. He says, it's very simple. You just make this, this practice of your life. You give God the first of everything. Amen. The first part of your day, you give it to God. You spend time with him, praying, reading, studying, singing, whatever you do. The first part of the week, you give it to God by going to church and being in church and being involved with a spiritual family. With your finances, you give him the first of your finances, your first fruits. You just make that simple practice of giving him your first. That's how you stay connected to the vine. Amen. it's very simple, right? Just give him your first. And the crazy thing is, is that every time I give him my first, everything else, honestly, there's still troubles. There's still problems, but it's like there's this supernatural thing around me. This, this force field that just, it helps me to walk through those things. I'm not going to tell you that because I gave Jesus my first this morning, that I'm not going to have any problems. That's a lie. Actually, you're going to have more problems. But you're going to have this supernatural grace to walk through those problems. Amen? You'll see the miracles of God. You'll see the hand of God. You'll experience his power in a mighty way. So can you stand up with me this morning? If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord, you've never surrendered your life to Him, I just want to give you an opportunity today to do that. Okay, you you can meet Him today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. It's not when you got everything right. It's not when... When everybody loves you, it's not when you quit doing this or you quit doing that. It's today. Amen. So I want to give you that opportunity. So this morning, I want you to do something a little different. I want you to, I want you to bow your heads. Everybody just bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your savior, you've never surrendered your life to him. I just want you to put your hand up real quick. Just right now. Just put your hand up. Let me see it. Just put your hand up. There you go. You've never surrendered your life to him. You've never experienced his power. You've never experienced his love. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand real quick. I just want you to say this prayer with me. I just, something like this. I just want to help you with that. Jesus, thank you for paying for my sins. Jesus, thank you for bringing me from death into life. And Jesus, thank you for giving me eternity in heaven. Lord, I accept the gift that you've given me. And most importantly, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I give it to you today, Lord. Though I may try to take it back, Father, I surrender it to you. I trust you with eternity. I trust you, Lord. Just say to every one of you this morning, just say, I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for all that you've given us. I thank you for your power, Lord. Father, I really thank you for your patience. Thank you that you didn't come before I had an opportunity to give my life to you. Thank you that you're patient, not wanting anyone to perish, Lord. Thank you that you're a just God. Thank you that my past sins and And trespasses won't be held against me, Lord. Thank you that I have an opportunity to store up treasures in heaven and to have this great inheritance that you've given and prepared for us. Father, help us as a church to be ready for your return. Help us to keep our mind focused on the things that it needs to be focused on, Lord. And Lord, help us to reach people. Every opportunity we have with the church, without the church, Lord. In our, at our job sites, at our grocery stores, our schools, our meetings, our places.